Welcome to Ahsoka, a Star Wars podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial podcast for the journey between this galaxy and the next. My name is Matt, and joining me in the co-pilot seat is Pete. Hello, Pete. The Force is in all of us. The Ahsoka podcast by Fantastic Geek ignites our lightsabers for part three, Time to Fly. Pete, we start with a bevy of news here. Lower Decks, Star Trek Lower Decks, season four uh, is right around the corner. Is it? Is it literally later this week? Is that how time works, Pete? It's tomorrow. It's Sunday, September 3rd, Matt, before the now two episode premiere on Thursday, September 7th. That's right, Matt. Paramount Plus has seemingly forgot how subscription-based content works. I am reminded of, was it spring of 2022, where we had all these uh, glorious Star Trek abutments, like the Discovery finale and the Picard premiere were the same evening, and then ditto for the Picard finale and Lower Deck start, so... I'll say this, Pete. Par- I'll, I'll be positive to Paramount Plus. That's right, listeners. You did not just <laughs> imagine me saying that. They do things that sometimes are not um, conventional wisdom. But at the very least, Pete, like I'm sitting up a little straighter, going two episode premiere this Thursday. That's all the better. I'm all the more excited. Yeah, it's a little bit more the podcast or whatnot, but that's the fun, right? So I guess they do things to cut through in a way versus like. Meanwhile, uh, the latest Nat Geo Volcano Explorers episode is coming out one per, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, Pete, I will take that from that good news. Pete, where are we at with the strike? Strike Watch 2023. <sighs> this week, Matt, the AMPTP, that's your studios, the heads or the uh, appointed negotiators or the leads there. Bob Iger is not the the lead for Disney, for instance, got together to basically uh, try to circle their wagons because they're not on the same page and there's discord there. This as uh, a poll has found that uh, overwhelmingly regular people backing the writer's and the actors uh, deep in this strike. I think we're uh, 115 days at this point. That deadline article talking about the studio heads not being on the same page, it was amazing to read, and I'll tell you why. Pete, I know you check out the entertainment websites, news websites fairly often. I don't know how, how often our listeners do. Your standard article on Deadline, on Hollywood Reporter, on Variety, your standard article is usually a warmed-over uh, press release with some quotes or things of that sort, or you know, or review, or somebody goes to Toronto Film Festival or Cannes or whatever and writes about their experience. When you get the subtleties of that article where it's saying... You know, Bob Iger no longer will be in the room for these discussions. The subtext is maybe he was the problem. But who's saying he was the problem? Which of the other studio people? Uh, to say maybe there's a lack of confidence in the uh, the AMPTP 
actual negotiator who somehow seems to have shrunk into the background there to have quotes that say maybe it was ted uh, sarandos from netflix who was the most insulting or maybe netflix is ready to make a deal again there are different people feeding entertainment websites you know info here but the fact that they're not on the same page you just read that article it was dripping with backstabbing and ill will and and things of that sort which pete you me and as you said this poll of just people in general back these work you know work a day writers work a day actors which is the vast majority of both of those unions they're they're not the jerry seinfelds of the world they're not the you know golden quill kind of writers and so forth they're, they're people plying their trade as best they can um and I think that ben, it's great to know, the, the writers, it's 122 days at this point, you know, and, and part of the strategy, the, the voice strategy by AMPTP is let's wait them out till they get evicted. Yeah. As I've recounted before, I know at least one writer, uh, <laughs> a dual showrunner, Matt, twice run a show this this is not you know oh i made assistant this is the head the top in the writer's room about the show twice not some fluke situation evicted couldn't pay uh anymore went home to atlanta okay uh great attitude about it i'm i'm gonna be back but you know there is the financial toll of this we need to fix this and uh yeah sorry you know if you're listening to this and you're you're pro studios um you've got two options you can uh ignore what i'm saying and keep on listening or you know what matt and i would probably prefer is you, you hit stop and go away seemingly not connected however i would argue very connected is the fact that uh, Marvel, particularly on the TV end, Marvel has mm-hmm. reshuffled their schedule again, <laughs> again, again. And look, Pete, many people are shuffling their schedules, right? Warner Brothers moved Dune out of November and so on and so forth. What is interesting here. So l- l- let's start with what has not changed. Loki, as of recording, Pete, when is Loki episode 201 coming out? Uh, October 6th. So that date has not changed um, yet. <laughs> yeah, well, yet, asterisk. And I don't want to downplay that asterisk because, you know, there have been times before with this scheduling stuff uh, that you certainly have been have been right, Pete. Uh, Echo is now out of its uh, November slot, November slot, which is going to launch all at once, which we were already questioning and now has been pushed to uh, January of 2024 and even then i think that's suspect one has slid forward um yeah which is what if season two now of course we enjoyed we enjoyed the source material of echo in hawkeye hawkeye was not the most amazing thing ever but we were we're supportive of a good echo show um what if season one we had enjoyed podcasting for for what it is i don't mean to diminish it but you know half hour bites what was it about nine episodes and so forth that now has moved forward to is that christmas pete yeah and one of them is apparently about christmas there's a happy hogan one what if happy hogan saved christmas okay well that's fun um and then 
and low stakes, I think. Yeah. You know, like you can watch it and enjoy it to say, you know, and again, the whole conceit of what if is okay, give me give me an issue, give me a half hour of, you know, what if the Easter bunny had Thanos's glove? Either it's good or it's not good, regardless of the end of the half hour, like that's it, it's disposable. Um we have also had kicked way down what was called Agatha House of Harkness, then renamed Agatha Coven of Chaos, and now is Agatha, is it Darkhold Diaries? Is that yes. what it is? That's uh, a title. I think it's a take. I'd have to go and look right now. Um, from one of our followers on Twitter, what if the show changes its name every episode? I really like that. Yeah. Uh, rather than they've gone through three name changes, but they could go through name changes too. Like that. That's all right. That's now been pushed back to fall 2024 people are going yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a halloween release which i think makes sense mm-hmm. um let's add to it pete that Ironheart is now undated as is now undated I, I was gonna say as well no agatha is dated for fall Ironheart is undated so pete here's my question to you uh, not off the schedule as the Hollywood reporter says that it's it's in post-production so the idea that this is not going to be and there are already people who are attempting to you know skew this oh it's been canceled blah 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 no <laughs> well listen Pete I hope not because a c- couple of thoughts here first of all you know again we are supportive of a great echo show I'm suspicious that it might not be great because it's going to be this all at once but if it's great with its representation with an engaging story and so forth we're supportive of that what if season one has me excited for what if season two agatha the agatha show whatever title it's going to have excited about that uh i may be less excited for iron heart but i'm re- i'm ready to be swept up by its infectious energy and to be have my pessimism proved wrong but pete for all those let me ask this not what if but let me say on a certain level who cares like Echo is now going to come out 14 months after the show that launched it. What if season two is now coming out two, three years after season one? Months? I think it's, it's much longer than that. Um, Hawkeye yeah, so it was, was uh, 20. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Three years, three plus years. Um, if Ironheart is coming out of Wakanda forever as like, oh man, I loved that movie. Now one of the characters spins off to their own show. I mean, Wakanda forever is now increasingly in the rearview mirror, well thought of beloved and so forth, but I don't feel excited. I'm not coming out of Wakanda forever today saying I can't wait for Ironheart next month. It's now going to be past the one year mark there. Agatha. Okay. I mean, look, we all loved WandaVision and, and, I welcome the return of that character and so forth, the character of Agatha, but kind of similarly, like I'm less excited all these years later when Agatha comes out, not this Halloween, but the following Halloween. And by the way, let me say this for my, I put my pontification on pause here, Pete, Agatha and Ironheart both were done filming well before the strike. So yes, they are in post-production, but this is not a case of, the little engine that could they're putting the little the little pixel effects on there it's been done for a while both i think again we're seeing early to mid stage this is the content that we have how 
can we best squirrel this away because it doesn't seem like we're settling these strikes anytime soon. And I think these are these are just dates that are given to a media outlet. And whether or not they ultimately get held to or not, we're going to wait and see. But these are not positive developments. Particularly with what I feel is the the declining reputation for the Marvel Studios TV brand. And again, for all of those things, if I, I, I am I'm watching Echo Day One. What I'm watching all of them day one, whether it's your all at once episodes or weekly or whatever it is, I'm there for it. I'm supportive of these characters and so forth. But you know, don't make me wait another year and a half for Agatha for it to then be an underwhelming show. I mean, again, and that's where it circles back to the strike. You know, if, if you're pushing back Agatha because you don't have stuff to make now, because you don't have a writer who's come up with the next great thing, you know, and the, the and, and actors aren't going to perform that next great thing right now. Well, then this circles back to the strike problem. There's so many variables right now. And when you consider all of this, Matt, to round it back to Star Wars here, um, that uh, Ahsoka, which had previously been maligned in certain quarters as, oh, it's a failure. Nobody's watching this. Um, pulled in 14 million viewers for its uh, premiere episodes. That's Stranger Things Netflix level and was the most streamed thing uh despite uh widespread lies that it wasn't yeah i mean the brand the the star wars brand popularity the star wars tv success the now 15 year relationship that star wars fans have had with ahsoka as a character let alone these rebels characters and so forth um of course it's going to start big and and of course of course there's going to be articles written to say the future is female and it's bad and Ahsoka's bad like of course all this is going to happen but it does not it does not change the fact as you were saying Pete that this show is off to a rip roaring uh start in terms of viewer eyeballs and yeah I can't wait to talk about it well with that Pete let's chart the course of the episode Ahsoka's T6 slices through hyperspace like a sword as Sabine spars with Hu Yang and Ahsoka enters to observe. Sabine uses a wooden oaken saber against Hu Yang's four holographic sabers that he displays the not bad, not good results of. But Sabine says it's been a while. Ahsoka sees she remembers the basics and asks Hu Yang to try something else like Zatochi, but he doesn't think Lady Ren is ready for that technique. Ahsoka acknowledges Sabine's skill comes from her Mandalorian upbringing, but tells her those skills alone will not be enough to defeat their enemy, which Sabine learned the hard way. Soka says she must also train by opening her mind to wield the force, which Hu Yang says is the worst candidate ever. Ahsoka hands Sabine a helmet with a blindfold visor that Sabine 
questions just as Luke did, but she wants her to see with more than just her eyes. Indeed, this moment here, you know, Filoni very, uh, very lovingly quoting from uh, from A New Hope here. Sabine uh, is told to listen to Ahsoka, whose voice is moving. Good camera work here where we don't see Ahsoka moving all all the time. Um, She's told, Sabine is, to concentrate, to feel Ahsoka's presence, to sense her intention. Ahsoka smacks Sabine several times, obviously with the the training uh, devices here. No real lightsabers at the moment. Uh, Sabine is able to land some blows back. She's doing it, she's doing it, until Ahsoka trips her, and then Sabine is not doing it. The lesson here, anger and frustration bring power, but can also uh, unbalance someone. Uh, We get the title card, we get the episode title here, Time to Fly. Uh, And Pete, going from Time to Fly, we see stately A-wings. I like the the sturdy, fast A-wing there. Uh, Flying into the fleet and on the command ship, General Syndulla is ready to see the Chancellor. Pete, who is our Chancellor? Well, warning here from an officer, not yet named, but the name is out there, that one of the senators is Ziono, which will become a problem in the subsequent scene. But Chancellor Mon Mothma, Matt, greets Hera warmly, telling her she looks well and inquiring about her son, Jason, uh, who Hera says is on board somewhere. Mon Mothma speculating he's causing trouble with Chopper. Okay, Mon Mothma, Genevieve O'Reilly Mon Mothma, uh, having voiced her character in Star Wars Rebels as well. Um, not too bad and, for not too bad for a gal that got her one and only scene cut in Revenge of the Sith and right in the early two thousands. Done all of this here and and really is the character. Um, the Senator Ziono, who will talk about his his ties to the future of star wars the future past if you will with star wars resistance uh tries to push past the pleasantries on account of scheduling here and Hara explains her investigation into morgan elsbeth's escape led to the santhe shipyards on corellia where they were attacked by imperial loyalists a female senator uh discounts as outliers compared to the loyal people at every level of their government. But Harris says, long live the empire doesn't sound like the kind of loyalty they're looking for. Um, and thinks this points to a larger operation, which Ziono is quick to point out. She always does. And, uh, mentioning grand Admiral Thrawn, however, gets, their attention pete i will ask you to lower your blast shield just for a moment on your visor as i as i am tasked to point out that part of this scene um uh, i'm going to repackage what you just said here we have last week recapped uh with as you said former imperials can be found at all levels of the public we have recapped thrawn might be back on the board here the 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 board of play, if you will. Also recapped, Hera wants to find the missing Ezra Bridger. 
I get we need to do this sometimes, but also, you know, we do have previously ons that could that could that could help with some of this story load here. Um, but a bit more in the moment, Pete, uh, Ziono uh, admits that he did not fight in the war. Uh, a very important and poignant notion here, you know, that here we have Hera, the Hera, the rebel, Hera, the soldier now in a time of peace, viewing threats differently than Ziono, who, who did not serve. Um, obviously we're on Hera's side and it's star wars. It's not star politics. It's not star, the white wing, uh, the, the, the West wing, but, um, such is the conflict. Hera though wonders if he sat the war out waiting to choose a side, which is pretty, uh, a pretty damning statement there. Uh, uh, another Senator notes that, uh, the people do not want part of any future conflict. Uh, and a third Senator says that without a centralized command, the Imperial Fragments cannot be brought together. Pete, who might bring them together? <laughs> As Harrow points out, unless Thrawn returns, because he isn't the typical officer. And the subtext here of her statement killed people who were like family to her. The father of the child that's been referenced that we will see in just a moment here, Cain uh, and Jarrus. Okay. Um, and this, of course, resonates with Mon Mothma. Um, Hera says she spent most of her life at war, which uh, she's trying to convince them to prevent more. But Ziono confidently asserts Thrawn is dead, and it's his opinion Ezra heroically died with Thrawn, uh, which Hera angrily opposes, but Mon Mothma gently brings her back with a request to speak for a moment to her senatorial colleagues. Hera, obviously passionate, able to play the political role. This is a scene where Mary Elizabeth Winstead punches through that makeup, punches through the green paint, punches through, you know, all due respect to any of this genre stuff, Star Wars, Marvel, Star Trek, whatever. It's got to be quite a thing. Especially, you know, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's been around a while, and the ability for her to roll up onto a set with your standard, you know, human pancake makeup and normal human hair and all of that and play the role of whatever. It's got to be something else when you say, my face is disappearing in the in this green stuff, and I put on the contact. I'm losing Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she might say to herself. And boy, this is why you got her. Not, you know, okay, fine, there's the Ewan McGregor connection, all that. She's so good here, and it's, yes, this is the general. This is the leader. She's just fantastic here uh, when, frankly, given, when the story gives her more than in, in some of the, 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 the prior episodes where it was more exposition or she's now through the added layer of, you know, fake hair, fake makeup, and now hollow. Like, she's just great here. In the hall, the officer from before sarcastically says that that went well as a green haired pauldron wearing Jason comes calling for his mother with chopper in tow. Uh, he asks if it's true. His aunt Sabine is going to be a Jedi after chopper told him and he wants to be one too, which she knows. We go back to Ahsoka. By the way, K 
can you understand how uh, episodes like this might have been shot with those two separate crews there with with the you know these two I mean they're not very separate storylines but it just it occurred to me while watching this oh right separate crews for separate parts of the story mm-hmm. we go back to Ahsoka Sabine is learning fast has learned fast but also has difficulty advancing beyond those early stages Sabine wishes for expedited training but that's not how it works. Uh, well, so, hoping that their urgency of their situation would have done that, you know, like, oh, I'm in danger. Here is the force, which, you know, I, I think is a uh, Chekhov's force gun here. Uh, she seems, Pete, I don't want to be glib and say, like, difficulty learning or things like that. I, I like that we are given a character here who um, who is having some of these challenges. I think it makes Sabine a little more... Um, relatable to us. We, we've seen many Jedi where, where it comes easy. And, and uh, in a certain weird sense, the show is called Ahsoka, but it's also like it's Sabine's journey uh, is perhaps the one that we're most in tune with. Um, she wonders indeed if she can even successfully wield the Force. Ahsoka advises that while all are connected to the Force, it is the disciplined focus that masters the way of the Force and Sabine promises to give it her best. And I like that little mini lesson there, Pete. It's not necessarily the most talented. It's the one potentially who works the hardest. It is. But as Ahsoka admits, talent is a factor in having, you know, been the one-time Padawan or perhaps the most talented, uh, you know, undisciplined force user we've ever seen. Uh, that resonates for sure. Um, as she slowly pulls a cup across the table and she urges Sabine to start small uh, and Sabine telling her she's going to give it her best before in the cockpit there, Yang has not heard from Hera about support from the New Republic. And he asks about Sabine's progress and Ahsoka tells him what he said didn't help but he maintains the millennia-old Jedi Order would not have have accepted her. Uh, but they failed, Ahsoka points out. And uh, Hu Yang says that few Mandalorians ever became Jedi, uh, and Ahsoka says she doesn't need Sabine to be one, just herself. Uh, Hu Yang supposes Ahsoka comes from a long line of non-traditional Jedi, which makes Sabine, of course, fit in. I, I I like this this restatement here, this re-emphasis on non-traditional Jedi. It's uh it's I don't know, I find it heartwarming. It, it it fits into where they're at in the timeline. We're obviously not the story is not going to take us back to the Jedi Temple. We're not at a point in the timeline where we could even delve into Luke's new Jedi Academy. Um just the idea of a non-traditional Jedi, it, it warms my heart. Back at the table, Sabine tries and tries to move the cup to no avail. Uh, perhaps moving the cup is impossible. Uh, Pete, I'd like to propose that perhaps you should realize the truth. There is no cup. Oh, wait, that's a different story universe entirely. Anyhow, <laughs> uh, they get in touch with Hera, who says that the Senate committee has, in fact, not approved, not approved the mission. Um and that communique is then jammed. Why? Because, Pete, look, I know I'm more of a Star Trek engineer as opposed to a Star Wars technician. Um, I didn't know that 
a message could i thought hyperspace was different than regular space but pete because they've entered the, the nab system in hyperspace that's why comms are blocked i feel like i should have a slight story quibble there but that's what the story told me so i'm i'm going with it well i mean they're being jammed by whatever is out there uh why have they uh dropped out so far from the planet uh which causes yang to cite jedi protocol yet again ahsoka chafing at this programming as well and his last scan indicated the transport was in orbit on the far side of the planet but there's a second much larger object of an unknown signature uh it's just then that six fighters come up behind one flown by uh shin hati uh ahsoka asks sabine to get in the tail gun where she checks in but ahsoka got rid of her presets uh shin sends the fighters on strafing runs and sabine has a hard time with the movement that uh ahsoka tells her to learn to anticipate but it's not the time for a lesson marak makes a run and huyang isn't in scanning range yet and worries they won't survive to get there. I like the the little story flourish here. Yes, it is Sabine who needs to be the Padawan and so on and so forth. But ultimately, it's Ahsoka who needs to work with her tail gunner. Uh, and when Ahsoka dives on Sabine's command, Sabine is then able to make the shots count. Yes, after some more misses. But then she gets one. After another move, two more fighters are, are gone. Uh, but as they get closer to this large uh, ship in the distance, Pete, it is the ring ship, the hyperspace ring ship, the Eye of Scion. That's the one that was in last episode. See how it's all connected? <laughs> it is here. Uh, they they split the fighter. She's able to take uh, one out. And then coming in the visual range here, uh, Shin telling uh, Elsbeth they've entered her sector uh, from the top of the ring. That sort of detachable gold craft there. Uh, Elsbeth expresses uh, surprise that Shin let them get that far and tells her to stay clear. She deals with them preparing the turbo lasers and Shin tells Marok to move with her and wait for her signal. And he speaks. Uh, indeed, the the mystery of of Marok, I guess, slowly growing here. Um, with those turbo lasers warmed up, with the fighters pulling away, uh, Morgan starts firing, um, and that's only making Hu Yang's scan even more difficult. He asks, he asks for our heroes to get closer and please remain steady as well. Uh, however, the deflectors make their way down to 10% uh, and dropping as well. The scan is then complete, uh, but this is when the hits start to count. All of a sudden, with a flourish, uh, we see Morgan being told that the ship is off the uh, the Eye of Scion's scope. Um, we see that the ship is battered and broken. Hu Yang is down too. Um, and now we have kind of this, this return uh sarcasm here shin notes that morgan almost got them so now it's up to shin and marok to solve it 
Yeah, as uh, Morgan seems to seethe with that information there. On the ship, not much is working besides backup. They have no hyperdrive or cannons. Ahsoka tells Sabine to work fast because she's going out there. Out where? Well, to distract them. Uh, As Shin overconfidently lines the ship up here, uh, Sabine hopes Ahsoka knows what she's doing as the exterior hatch opens and she steps out in a blue spacesuit, lighting her sabers to walk out and face down the approaching ships in the shadow of the Eye of Scion. Marak points out that she's on the wing and Shin opens fire as Ahsoka flips we certainly have never seen anything like this from Star Wars before. Um, a live action Star Wars. Uh, has this ha- has have there been similar moves in animation? Oh, this this is straight out of an episode of the Clone Wars. Okay. Um, regardless, we have obviously Ahsoka out there on the ship. Intercut is Sabine wiring and fixing. Uh, Ahsoka ultimately taking out a fighter. Once the ship is powered up, uh, time to go get Ahsoka. I like that this, uh, you know, Star Wars always has this weird flair of, like, space wings that move because reasons. I guess within the Star Wars universe, it's just aesthetically beautiful. Uh, I I don't know, but again, not a criticism at all. And this is far from the first time that it's been like, you know, like, why does a B-wing do its thing? I don't really know. It's just somebody made a cool model in 1982. One or eighty-two, hear the wing of Ahsoka's ship uh, moving, helping Ahsoka get back on board. Uh, the ship fires up and fires into the planet's atmosphere. Um, that lets them start to track something ahead. Not a ship, but a purgle. Nay, many purgle. Pete, this is where you can dazzle uh, myself and the listeners. Uh, doubtless there's a fun name for a pack of purgle, you know, like a murder of crows, that sort of thing. <laughs> we have not planned this ahead of time. Can you tell me what is a group of purgle officially canonically? I, I got to go with the alliteration. It's a pack of purgle. Okay. Um, goodies and baddies, shipses soar all around the purgle. Uh, Sabine takes an opening and we see that ultimately Shin, at least for now, Shin has lost them. Yes, the T-6 uses the purgle there to complicate the chase through the massive swishing tentacles and the the textured heads. These creatures, you know, clearly the biggest we've uh, witnessed in live action to this point, making, you know, the... uh, the asteroid slugs and things like that seem diminutive by comparison. Um, Sabine sees an opening and makes for the surface as the two pursuers pass by Shin wondering where they went. And the T six gets down over the ocean uh, and heads toward the tree line cliffs. Ahsoka says they won't lose them for long, telling Sabine they're in pretty bad shape and need to set down, which she does as Yang rises to announce his scan is complete. His battery backup took a while to cycle, asking what he missed, which was almost dying multiple times. You know, standard operating procedure. 
the ship heads to the tree line and puts down in a secluded area. Ahsoka uh, tells them to shut the power down, but Hu Yang protests with a lot of work to do, uh, but she cites standard Jedi protocol. Uh, ship goes dark in the misty forest, and the two fighters eventually fly over. Shin asks Marok if he sees them, and he has nothing, leading her to believe they're hiding in the forest, and they regroup. Our heroes recap not having seen Purgle since Ezra disappeared. Huyang gives a report. The ring uh, has a seventh hyperspace engine that's being put into place just now. This craft can use great speed and go great distances, perhaps even to a neighboring galaxy. Uh, and how would they get there? Why, using the intergalactic lanes used by Purgle and elsewhere on the planet, Balin orders underlings to search the forest for our heroes. The camera swell, or pardon me, the music swells as the camera moves in to conclude the episode. Time to peer into the force for some theories. So, Pete, you seemed in your portion of the recap to be to be leaning towards the fact that we are slowly getting more of Marok. What are your thoughts there? Will we see the mask come off? Will it be stunt casting? Will it be a a, a long gone hero, a face that we know from future points in the timeline? What do you think? I don't see how it's not going to be connected in some way at this point. Now that we've heard a voice and people have done all sorts of comparisons to uh, Sam Witwers, uh, who voiced Galen Marek, a star killer, uh, which it should be noted, Matt, uh, Dave Filoni looked to include star killer at uh, some point in the Clone Wars and ultimately decided against it. So are we swinging for that now? Is that going to be the way it goes? We're just going to have to see. Um, is Barak Ezra? Hmm. I, th that's a really interesting question. I suppose uh, mentally I, I've been frozen at this point of, you know, kind of a la Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty going over the falls, you know, that Ezra and Thrawn are both out there, what, doing what, continuing to battle until they return? You know, so, uh, again, it's kind of been been on pause. That would be a very interesting and potent turn. How do you come back from that? I mean, okay, fine, Darth Vader was able to come back from such villainy and so forth. Um, it's certainly... I feel buoyed. I feel that th that theory gets buoyed by the fact that we are dealing with eight episodes, not six. My my kind of Marvel default, six episodes. No, it's too late to have such a thing. You know, we're not at the midpoint yet. We will be soon enough at the end of next week's episode and all of that. Um, that would be a fun way to do another kind of you know redemptive arc. Start low, work your way back, and all that. So. I'm not I'm not fully on board, but my antennae are out there to to see if it if it holds true. I mean, again, that this character could just be the a faceless underling of uh these two 
uh, force wielders still not convinced they're Sith, still not convinced they're Jedi, uh, will go with Matt's uh, cloak folk. <laughs> I thought that was, to be fair, I thought that was yours. Was it? Am, am I the originator of hashtag how's, cloak? Folk? How's that? How, <laughs> how's that? Um, before we talk more about them, Matt, I'll, I'll just go chronologically here and my hopes for more of Chancellor Mon Mothma in this series. Yeah, it's it, it's so great to have her here. It's great to have her as this through line. Um, also, too, I think it's a nice vindication. I mean, look, obviously there's her scant but important appearance in return of the jedi okay fine but you think back to andor which is what chronologically 15 years earlier is that that that's that's about right um and you just think of the tension and here you know she could be choosing high society but instead is you know choosing to do the right thing and fight the power and all of that um and you think of that tension contrasted with obviously not an easy time and as i continue to say obviously not a new republic that will last for you know for an eon and so forth but there she is pete she made it to help create a legitimate government um a government of differences of ideas there she is as a guiding hand on the tiller and when we see her next in andor season two and she's going through all this trouble fine we know she makes it to return of the jedi but now even further, we know she kind of makes it to, I don't know, makes it to, to the larger contributions. That she's leading the New Republic at this point. And, you know, yes, you've got uh, Princess Leia Organa out there, but obviously we don't have Carrie Fisher to draw from anymore. And Mon Mothma's the reasonable and logical and available choice in terms of doing this. But I, I think as interestingly is this crumbling Republic holdover empire notion that many of these senators are either blind to. And in the instance of Senator Ziono, maybe sympathetic toward, you know, I think of the history of our country and how in the first 10 years, you know, we had multiple forms of government and they were barely hanging on. And a handful of years after the, the you know, the winning of independence, there then was internal strife. There was a whiskey rebellion. There was so on and so forth. Um, so, yes, we have the foreknowledge that this new republic is going to fall apart. We have the foreknowledge that the, the First Order is out there and kind of all of these story um, story points which are guaranteed fixed points but i think it's also just a reminder you know our government their government government in general it's tough it's difficult and how do you represent all views when all views might not be working towards the common good and these are not you know star trek says you'll figure it out and star wars says you won't figure it out um and I don't know, Pete, we're still in the process of figuring it out or not figuring it out. So it's it, it's all kind of weirdly true to life. The subtext of being challenged by Hera here. Well, well, did you fight in the war or did you just wait to see who won? Um, 
not only the idea of cowardice, but perhaps the idea, well, you thought the empire was going to win, but you were also hedging your bets that a new government would arise and that you were positioning for a place in that. Um, so it brings up the specter, Matt, that uh, Senator Ziona might be a, a throner. Yeah, look, there's many things that Star Wars does wonderfully. I don't think that I don't think that your standard Star Wars story arc this one eight episodes. I don't think it's necessarily built towards the nuance of you know, in episode 8 of Ahsoka, that's when Mon Mothma and Ziono were sitting there having tea and saying, "We will disagree as to the nature of uh access to blasters. However, we can uh we have agreed that uh, we will Tax the shipping lanes at 0.5%. That's not what Star Wars does. As you're saying, Pete, the notion that the the music, the shots, the characterization are all telling us that he's uh, not with us, and the us is perpetually the rebels, uh, the resistance, the fighters, the on the ground, those who give the most, those who do not say, uh, you know, what can I do for my far off planet? Those who nonetheless jump in to join the fight um ziono is in opposition to that and yeah i think the, the notion of him being a throner um make the empire great again and so forth i think that that's a really heads up prediction and a likely one as well should be noted again here that uh ziono is the father of the protagonist from dave filoni's star wars resistance kaz ziono the uh pilot uh spy character there uh set during the first order uh period so are you telling me that star wars might explore how (laughs) generational differences can be fracturing and 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 significant oh my goodness yeah not the first time that this character has been seen um and again that he's gonna you know probably already has fathered uh that that animated character but let's speak about another character and another son matt nay another a new hope in jason syndula uh last and only time seen to this point uh with his his green hair in the cockpit of the ghost in the epilogue of Star Wars Rebels, and now here in Flesh and Blood in live action. I have difficulty kind of sensing in the course of these eight episodes is his presence there. I don't want to. I don't want to say fan service because that's negative, but is it there to say? Hey, Rebels fans, update on a beloved kind of story moment here. Um, Is it there? Obviously, anything Star Wars, even if Filoni doesn't have a plan plan, you know, could, could, you know, a generation from now, could it be Jason in Luke's Jedi Academy? The animated series. I would go even further, Matt. I think (laughs) if I'm laying bets today, He's going to show up in those uh, in that Ray movie. And, and, and again, what part of what's um, difficult with Star Wars, and that's not a criticism, is just kind of understanding. 
like when is the c3po toy reissue there to be a new toy or when is it a red arm to sell toys or when is it a story point and so forth um or when is it frankly when is it just when is something just put out there because it works in the moment and the the same creator or different creator can pick pick up with it in the future maybe sometimes all the above can be true so jason's father was uh kanan jarris okay once caleb doom uh the the jedi uh put back into the time of the clone wars uh happened after star wars rebels uh with uh bad batch in the pilot there um interestingly to note other than the the green hair the nod towards hera um with her uh twi'lek heritage but that he's very subtly wearing a shoulder pauldron uh like his father and wants to be a jedi it's it's heads up character design um and again you know we have five episodes to go even just within that is there enough time to explore such things it's more than possible pete i will have my cake and eat it too whereas i felt there were some some um timing issues with the first two episodes and i thought that maybe it moved too slowly and maybe there was a little too much story and i had even suggested some editing suggestions here um i was definitely starting to watch this episode arms folded doing the math this is an episode that this is an episode that has less than 30 minutes of content. However, I will say, Pete, this ate real good. This was a satisfying meal. Um, and, and at multiple points, I was aware, kind of like, so is your episode almost over because it's so short? Oh, no, we're only 10 minutes in. Like it, it again, it kind of the, the story wears very well for the length of time that, that it invests. All of this to say, if you tell me next week's episode is 50 minutes and we get, you know, of that, there's eight minutes where Jason is further explored or things of that sort while still having the Hera Mon Mothma story over here and having the planet side Ahsoka and uh, Sabine and baddies and so forth. Th there's this weird expandable nature where you can get a smaller episode and it works, a bigger episode and it does what has to do with exposition or or it works or whatever it might be so it's not just episode count it's also how many minutes are left and we don't know so there's plenty of time for all of this i mean listen the the shorter run time the pace picks up they didn't have as much to expositionally uh you know move through that the others did they still did that but i think they balanced it uh the best of the three episodes to this point uh, there's more action coming. Um, I mean, we're on a countdown now, Matt, until when Hera goes rogue too, uh, in the ghost and, and shows up in support here. Cause there's no way she's just going to take what these senators told her to do and, and stand by and possibly taking some of those seen around her with her. Uh, any, any candidates for that? Well, I mean, come on. You think she's going to leave her son uh, hanging back on home one? Or uh, maybe he even sneaks aboard. 
Um, and then you've got uh, that officer that she was hanging out with. There's also a Mon Calamari pilot that was uh, conspicuously linked with her. I, I think all those are going to wind up in the ghost in the next episode. Any kind of update or sense, Pete, I, I, I regarding kind of the pacing of these next five episodes, I remain convinced that this hyperspace ring is meant to get to the other galaxy very, very fast. And then for, I think we're going to have a, uh, you know, we're going to have Thrawn's ship nestling in Morgan's ring. No metaphor there uh, for it to come back. Maybe not as fast, but I, th- I think we're going to have an episode, whether it's four or five, I think it's going to be all of a sudden the ring with, Thrawn Star Destroyer, you know, boom, jumping, and it's, you know, Thrawn has returned. Bum, 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 credits. What I can't quite reconcile is that we see Thrawn in the command area of Morgan's ship, um, seemingly with her not around. So I, I don't know what quite to make of that in terms of the chronology of, of story. Um, we have a lot of dueling coming up. It would seem that's got to be the next episode. Uh, personally, my story sense tells me the hyperspace ring goes without our heroes, which is obvious as to why they need the purple and, and why they've, you know, been, uh, hinted at and, and now, you know, fully been here. Um, and then do you tie this pursuit of the force, which, you know, people decried in, uh, you know, the rise of Skywalker. Oh, Finn can use it now. Well, come on now. We're just giving it to anybody. Uh, it resides in all living things. Put the practice into it. Uh, have a talent for it. Um, and I, I think what that story did beautifully is it's not about the bloodline you descend from in your ability to wield the force. So of course, Sabine can't do it yet. She's going to learn to do that. Her connection via Ezra to the Purgle is that somehow how her ability might manifest is the action that they're going to go into uh, the the way in which that she's referencing, oh, their situation. And, you know, it's like when a pregnant mother is on the side of the road and, you know, the car is rolling towards her and she can suddenly lift it with, you know, the, the rush of adrenaline and things like that, that she's, she's suddenly going to manifest this ability. This is one of these points, Pete, where I can be on board with you. And I look back in six months and I say I could have been on board with the writing answer. But let me let me propose this. Filoni obviously, you know, cuts close to the kind of core Star Wars makeup of things. We have some kind of uh, tonal quotes here, the, the helmet with the blast shield and all of that. Do we need... In the, in the future Ahsoka Rebels Chronicles, whatever that looks like. Could we have two Jedi? We could absolutely have two Jedi. You know, we've seen that. The pair, the Padawan, the Master, all of that. I would be okay, though, if in a show called Ahsoka, 
where presumably they're not going to kill off Ahsoka and we don't need to do that sort of, you know, now the student becomes the master because the master is no more. I would be okay if maybe part of Sabine's non-traditional Jedi root is to say, maybe I'm not a Jedi after all. And maybe I am a lightsaber wielding Mandalorian uh, who can swing a sword real good and who can do some pretty cool sword fights, um, but, but does not have you know, does not have traditional Jedi powers and so forth. Not again, not knowing kind of what plan there is in general for any of this stuff to kind of have a, to have a, a new hope pairing of, you know, the Jedi, the pilot, the, this, the, that I would be okay with, again, with Sabine's journey, not ending with her as a Jedi. And I feel like there's some story poignancy there for, um, certainly in this episode for the the value of uh, of work and determination and all of that but maybe also saying i'm not meant to be the best jedi ever i'm meant to be the best sabine ever well it it's it's mentioned by ahsoka i don't need her to be a, a jedi only herself and then let's talk about this non-traditional line of jedi matt ahsoka's master was uh, why that's Anakin Skywalker who did take a slightly traditional uh, or rather non-traditional route when it came to some Jedi things like killing the women and the children and also uh, the things that he did in uh, unseen unfilmed scenes with uh, Padme feelings about sand his master was uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi his master was Qui-Gon Jinn his master was Yoda nope who was Qui-Gon Jinn's master? Oh, yeah. was uh, was that... Um, who was his master? Count Dooku. Yes. Whose master was? Yoda? Yes. Okay. So, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful way of referencing... I mean, listen, you, you talk most traditional of all time, potentially Yoda, right? What, what with the lifespan, but also you could see in which he's non-traditional. And begetting this line of, you know, uh, students ultimately turned masters and everything else. Uh, yeah. Could I see Sabine not becoming a Jedi and instead just someone who wields a lightsaber? I mean, Matt Han Solo has wielded a lightsaber and skillfully, too. He cut open a Tauntaun and he saved Luke Skywalker's life. OK, so like other people can do it, too. Um, Bo-Katan does not seem to be on the Jedi pathway, right? But has wielded the Darksaber, which at this point in the timeline seems to have been destroyed, whether or not we're going to see Darksaber 2.0 or whatnot remains to be seen. But Sabine having wielded that as well and given it to Bo-Katan and then, you know, creating that unfortunate etiquette breach and the idea of the curse and all that, um, but it's it's not hidden in this episode, but it it's a kernel in this episode that, you know, once really digested, wow, there's a there's a lot that goes on in terms of all that, and then connected back to the idea he voiced it, Huyang, um, and this programming, this Jedi protocol, oh, we do this. Uh, we stay away so that, you know, uh, we we can not get into trouble. And then, you know, the trouble he's seen 
in this adventure in previous adventures with Ahsoka and Sabine. Is it too early, Pete, to be wondering if these next five episodes have any intersection with Skeleton Crew, the forthcoming Star Wars series starring Jude Law with a child cast coming of age, Amblin meets Star Wars, uh, I believe still expected to be out before the end of this year. And by the way, because hashtag it's really all connected with Echo out of the post Thanksgiving release spot. Does that now maybe lead to Skeleton Crew coming out earlier? I it's a, There's at least six episodes. Pardon me. It consists of eight episodes. So do you end up with a situation where, and I know I'm putting a bunch of stuff out here, but you know, you could have Skeleton Crew start at the end of November, which means you're in the in the holiday stretch there where it's, you know, episode six, seven, eight, something like that. So to bring it back to my original question, since it's all happening in the same, you know, season three of The Mandalorian is concurrent with, give or take, with season one of Ahsoka, which is generally concurrent with Skeleton Crew, are we going to get any Skeleton Crew hints uh, in these next five episodes? I don't think so. I think this story's pretty self-contained. Not even like Grogu staring at the Purgle and then <sighs> six months later you go, oh, it's them space whales from when the little baby Yoda saw it. Now they're in this show with, with the Ahsoka. Like, not even that. I'm not going get... to... I don't. I, I, I don't see them, you know, having that space at this point. I, I just think there's there's a lot of, you know heavier stakes stuff in this show skeleton crew i think is is going to be lighter on that end i don't see the intersection at at this point um you i'd know, like to plant my flag and say whether we see whether we know it next, you know whether we see jude law in the next five episodes saying don't worry hera i'm gonna get my own skeleton crew or whether there's <laughs> something where later on we go Oh my goodness, it's the red droid. It's, you know, it's it, it's whatever. It's H2. And that, we did at the time it was just a little droid, but now H2 is in Skeleton Crew. I'm going to say something I mean, is going to Could there happen. be something, you know, Jason is on a hollow phone with some some friends who ultimately do that? Yeah, there could be some space for that. I'm I'm not denying it. My I'm, mom I'm, says I'm, I have to stay here and I can't join your <laughs> Skeleton Crew. The skeleton Crew. Um I'm still not convinced we see Skeleton Crew this year. I'm I'm not. Oh, Again. Pete, listen, we are going to see Skeleton Crew this year, and I'll tell you why. Because after Loki episode 206 on the 11th, pardon me, on the 10th of November, you know what else is coming to Disney Plus? Because I don't. Again, I'm telling you, Skeleton <laughs> Crew. Th this is classic Disney marketing. Should we be watching Skeleton Crew? crew trailers today no what are we supposed to be focused on for disney in, in in the world of disney what are we what are we supposed to be focused on right now pete ahsoka there you go some point some point in the second half of ahsoka maybe the last three or two episodes that's when you're first going to start to see some skeleton crew stuff uh maybe a, maybe a post-credit scene whatever it is i'm telling you we're getting skeleton you're going to be you're going to be there on christmas morn knee deep in skeleton crew stuff whether it's the first episode whether it's the last uh, skeleton crew for christmas that's the matt guarantee well a couple interesting other notes here uh shin hati's ship 
very reminiscent of General Grievous's um, in the shape and even in the sound. And then uh, that she's wearing the headset very much like the Jedi did in, uh, you know, the uh, the prequels. Pete, this might be pedantic. I don't know. But the the laser sound, I mean, look, it's Star Wars sound effects, right? These iconic things. The laser sound effect, it made me feel like, no, don't shoot me with the little tickler, Ray. Oh, no, she's firing again. Like, it was, somehow it was the opposite of, like, the Star Wars, like, machine gun, Arnold Schwarzenegger, T2, brrr, like, I don't know. I, I take issue with the sound design there. Again, it might be oddly specific, but I didn't feel like, oh, we're we're under threat from this thing. Instead, it's just kind of like, oh, they're, it's, like, it's like a green flashlight shooting flashlights at me. I know there were people that were bothered that the turbo lasers uh, seemed to explode like shells at the end of them. I didn't have a problem with that. You know, it's this hyperspace ring who knows what kind of sciencey magic they're making use to to shoot that um the question for me still remains like all right does does something dock into the ring and then it leaves does it go out on its own and grab something and bring it back is there a tunneling type of, oh, we open a portal and through it comes the thing. Um, some people have taken the the design of the ring and looked as to where like a Star Destroyer would fit in it and, and dock. What do you think about all that, Matt? I mean, I'm sticking with Thrawn ship, which because of the novels and so forth, I'm assuming Thrawn ship is will still be at this point some kind of star destroyer it could be a ship of any it's obviously got to be a big ship he's not out there you know cruising along on a on a winnebago a la space balls but the ship that the purgle wrapped itself around that we're damaging it uh above lothal that was a regular star destroyer that was the chimera his ship i think it is to bring that back um i mean First of all, that's kind of, I know we've only seen so many hyperspace rings. Like it's just in a couple of movies and it hasn't been, it was a neat story flourish of now I will undock from the ring and take my fighter down to the surface. Um, but I feel like something goes in the ring. Um, it, if you love Thrawn enough to bring him back, you got to put a ring on it. That kind of thing. Um, <laughs> wow. Because also, too, I feel like, you know, it's such a great, sometimes, I think, I, I would propose that sometimes certain Star Wars moments, story options, whatever it might be, you know, and obviously this is true outside Star Wars as well, but it kind of comes from, I have the idea of the biggest space station ever. Okay, let's, 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 you know, sketch that out, or I have an idea of this, that, the other. It's a World War II space battle. It's the damn busters, whatever it is. It's kind of, you start with the idea, then you make a story go towards it. Um, just the notion of like, 
here the ship comes from out of the mists or that we found the chimera says morgan and then the whole docking thing and you get the empire you know awooga awooga as it you know docking clamps enabled all right the power systems look the 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 little led lights are going it's in the green let's go like there's so much like that feels like a star wars moment there with the levers and the buttons and the power all of that feels like a star wars story um and something that i would welcome you know as opposed to like oh look thrawn's on the surface there let's get him up in the shuttle okay now we're gonna take the ring back all right then it didn't need to be a ring it could have been another cool other design ship i'm telling you pete thrawn's ship goes into the ring somewhat intimately and they 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 come back at the end of an episode Ahsoka's uh, spacesuit here, uh, you can see the Old Republic, the Republic symbol there on a patch on her uh, shoulder. Um, pretty cool, I think, that they went for this, that they they did the wire type of work. Uh, love the little maneuver of the wing moved so she can run down it after a couple times there uh leaping and then jumping back onto the wing yeah i I don't know at what point for this episode or for any episode you say you the production say you know yeah we're we're zeroing in on a 30 minute episode we're zeroing in on i mean obviously script page count can tell you something but you know the ship's battle in space okay that's one sentence that could be 30 seconds that could be five minutes you know whatever it might be um i suspect that maybe coming off of the first two episodes that had a lot of story to chug through and set up and so forth that maybe this was always going to be a shorter episode um and that maybe the actual here's the story beats that you need to hit in this episode maybe it's a list of 15 whereas in the prior episode it was a list of 25 or whatever and when these 15 story beats get hit you say okay this is coming in of a certain size let's do a cool wing wire work stunt thing not to puff up the episode but just to inflate the episode to its to its proper size to to the story it wants to tell which is have a cool fun space laser fighter plane you know outer space scene um and 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 that's that that's an exciting prospect and that's what we got what did our rebel friends have to say pete we go to twitter in which people were able to vote in our traditional poll uh the lowest was one low battery that got 3.3 percent next was two uh learners on board i guess it was just the one learner but there's two pictures of learners uh that also got 3.3 percent uh three uh lady emoji for chancellor yes ma got uh 20 percent and then four whales pergolfect got 20 uh pardon me got 73.3 percent some replies on twitter major noel gardner at noel camille said great action and training in this episode it's so clear that the new republic learned nothing from the corruption and downfall of the last republic balan seems so conflicted but shin is ready to attack space whales and jason appearance yay will he go to luke's academy 
Uh, next, Andre Yeager at Dr. Polo 1983 says, good episode. They are doing some good world building while sprinkling in some action. I think we're going to wind up seeing the birth of the First Order. Ooh, your thoughts on that, Pete? I don't think we're full on First Order. I, I think that's going to come at the end of whatever Thrawn's reign is here. And then there's the difficulty, too, of like, all right, the Emperor stuff and, you know, Thrawn himself. So we'll see. Uh, we hear from Spider-Ham Lincoln at TessLC139. Uh, I'll just say I'm really digging this newest live-action Star Wars. I don't care where we end up because the journey is so damn fun. Next up, Pete, from Diana Bodenberg. Uh, she says, Jason and Purgle and Mon Mothma. Oh, my. <laughs> Good episode, but a little short for my liking. Ahsoka on the ship uh, out in space gave me serious Clone Wars vibes. Loved that. The Purgle looked great and not too cartoony. Jason was adorbs, and I loved the detail of his pauldron looking like Kanan's. A nice touch. Also cool to see Kaz Ziono's dad for us Resistance fans. Uh, I liked uh, when Sabine did her little Han Solo woohoo. Hu Yang snark is getting snarkier, but I think we need a little Soka snark thrown in. All in all, a solid episode. Pete, I must confess, I know we hear frequently from Diana. I had no idea that Diana's uh, geek cred ran so deep there. We're talking Clone yeah, Wars. Res- just threw it down, baby. <sighs> yeah. Uh, Chancellor uh, Diana Bodenberg here. <laughs> uh, last tweet, Pete, from I'll always call it Twitter. That's at KCLYLE1 on Twitter. Oh, yeah, we're calling it that. Nice pickup uh, of the action this week. It's understandable the first episodes were more Ahsoka building, but so dang short. Obviously talking about this episode. Very cool to see her in the spacesuit. I'm guessing we will see Sabine have to fight someone in the dark at some point. See Arya in Game of Thrones. Well done. To the email inbox we go. We hear first from Steve Adams, who says, I really enjoyed this episode quite a bit. In her interactions with Mon Mothma and the Senators, Hera showed the strength and urgency she often displayed in Rebels. Very nicely done. The chemistry between Ahsoka and Sabine is a lot of fun and doesn't feel forced. I'm loving the voice work of David Tennant. I did admittedly get a little tired of his doctor by the end of his run, but he was great there. He was amazing on Jessica Jones, and now here he shines again. What an actor. I'm glad I wasn't the only person thinking about Yuhan Vong. I started reading that series years ago, and I thought it was very good, if a bit too drawn out. As an enemy, the Vong were original, interesting, and menacing. They felt like a very real threat. As much as I would love to see them, it does feel a bit ambitious for this show. But if anyone can debut them and do it right, it is Dave Filoni. I do have to wonder if we will get another appearance from Dr. Pershing. He was left hanging in the Mandalorian, and it is conceivable he would pop up here. That's all I have for this week. Until next time, stay fantastic. Pete, I have said before I loved that Dr. Pershing um, episode. Do you think he shows up here? I don't. I don't. Again, I I think it's a really self-contained series this particular season of it i mean we still don't know if there are designs ambitions that it would be a more than one series season show as opposed to a a mandalorian um yeah i'm not sure steve i'm gonna be pro pershing for these (laughs) next five episodes listen i love it i love it I, i just don't see it 
You heard it first. Here first, Steve. Pete says your idea. No <laughs> way it can happen. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Pete, last email. We hear from Josephina, who says, I successfully finished watching all of Clone Wars, Tales of the Jedi, and Rebels. Took me like a few months, but I'm glad I did. Something I need to get used to is live action Ahsoka being older and with a deeper voice. Back when I first watched uh, Mandalorian, then Boba Fett, when Ahsoka appeared, I didn't know about her character. She and the Rebels grew on me. Dude, Hyung is brutally uh, honest roasting Sabine in the beginning, and Ahsoka sort of trains like Anakin, which makes sense. She was making the sword fight unfair, quote-unquote, for Sabine, forcing her to depend on other senses rather than her eyes. Oh, like Kanan, tear. I can't remember who Senator uh, Ziono is, but he's a douche. And dang, <laughs> Hera put him in, in his place with, just sat back and waited to see who came out on top. Bahaha, these senators suck. The one tall guy just gaslights her. The dark hair lady is uh, oblivious to any threats. The three-eyed cow face said nothing. <laughs> Meh, typical. Uh, Josephine is bringing it here. As she goes on to say, I like the multi-purpose dojo room. Not too thrilled about eating on a table that was once a dirty floor, though. <laughs> it, it did dawn on me, too. Yeah. Uh, but good use of space. The Imperial fighters reminded me of World War II aircrafts. They even sounded like they had propellers. Bro, turbo lasers. Haha, it's turbo time. <laughs> what a cheesy name for a huge gun. Uh, congratulations, they missed. I'm enjoying the show. Can't wait to meet the rest of the Rebels characters. Hopefully this doesn't turn out to be a continuation of Rebels so we can focus on Ahsoka. Oh, you know whose face would have made a good live-action Thrawn? The actor from Terminator 2 Judgment Day, the T-1000. Because uh, the one in the previews looked like an older Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> there, I have spoken. I guess I'll leave you with that. The way you're acting, there won't be a later. Semperfy that from Josephina. Well, I mean, Josephina, having gone through all of uh, Clone Wars and Rebels and Tales of the Jedi, she referenced the training that Anakin does uh, to Ahsoka there. Um, and uh, Senator Ziono here, uh, you know, showing up in Star Wars Resistance. So only two seasons and, and something certainly uh, uh, you can chug through. Well, Pete, this entire voyage to the stars has been made possible by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Really uh, happy to hear that the, um, the, the lengthy goodie that we posted last Sunday, um, which I didn't know it was going to be almost 90 minutes. Uh, I was like, oh, it'll be like 45. But I'm really glad that people are enjoying that uh, as as a perk to those who go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek and lend their support. And as the calendar has turned now to September, Matt, 10 years of fantastic geek. Uh, more coming to both uh, Patreon and over the air here for that celebration. All of it made possible, though, by the people to go to patreon.com slash fantastic geek with the PH all one word. Uh, and uh, though it takes just a dollar a month to get you behind that door, um, all sorts of things to check out. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Could really use your help. Uh, and it's free to give us a rating a review on Apple Podcasts for this podcast, for any of our others. Get them working in that algorithm over time. And Pete, let's keep the Star Wars conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter 
and threads at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 12,672 followers and following. Uh, can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do me a touch with the podcast. You can comment on fantasticgeek.com. You can find us on Gmail, Threads, Twitter, and Instagram, all the spots where we are a fantastic geek. But we, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantastic geek. Again, all one word with the P and the H like it today. Over on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, really looking forward to previewing the fourth season of Star Trek Lower Decks tomorrow. And of course, back next Star Wars Saturday to talk about the next episode of Ahsoka. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Let's go again. <laughs> <laughs>